The BHP Podcast is presented by bowhunterplanet.com. Join the hunt. The BHP Podcast is probably presented by Element Outdoors, Cold Steel Knives, HHA Sports, Grind Life Coffee, Skull Hooker, Scott Archery, and Burris Optics. Hey everyone, this is Tim for Bowhunter Planet. Make sure you check out the new podcast, Respect the Game, wherever you find your podcast. The coronavirus has ripped through our society in such a bad way. So I wanted to take a moment to thank the first responders, our nurses, doctors, firemen, policemen, and military for everything they do and giving us a chance to fight this thing with the best of our abilities. Thank you from the BHP family to yours. Um, so special thanks to the first responders uh, for what they do. Just definitely wanted to create a little quick video on that just to say thank you. Uh, obviously, this is a strange situation for everybody. And, um, you know, you guys are out there doing it, getting in it first and are the real, really the heroes in this scenario. Um, and it's amazing to me to see how in life, you know, different things happen like that. And you have people that are now the heroes that maybe weren't necessarily considered heroes before but it's it's pretty pretty incredible all right let's see when tim joins should be all set here i got my participants so this is zoom this is something different uh the first time we we chatted i used the be live and that was actually pretty cool um but the problem with be live is i couldn't there were some things i couldn't do you can only have four people and it was actually more expensive uh than this system so that's why I chose to do the Zoom. And on the Zoom, we can have like multiple people. So like this Thursday night, we're going to try to use this. And it's going to be really cool. We have a lot of people um, joining. So should be good. Should be exciting. I think Tim is coming in now. Mark and uh, so yeah, this Thursday night, make sure you guys tune in. Starting at 6 p.m., we're going to have PSE on. Uh, everybody from PSE, so Dan... Mainly Dan, but also Bobby. So it should be very exciting. Tim, how you doing, man? I'm good. Sorry, I'm trying to. Do I have mute? Use my phone to do this instead Money's of my computer. Open. Oh, maybe maybe I can't hear. Hold on a minute. Maybe I can't hear. One second. All right. All right. You still there? Yep. Oh, there we go. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, this is uh, kind of exciting, Tim. This is like something I I just wanted to try this really bad. And we were talking earlier, I just said, I wanted to go live on Facebook and YouTube using this system, the Zoom system. And I'm impressed, honestly, how how it works. I, I A lot easier than I thought it'd be. It's just the, the problem I have is the other issues, the streaming systems are a little more tricky. But yeah, well, it's pretty cool. It's not just for our kids' classrooms now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think people, I don't know if a lot of people use Zoom for all sorts of stuff. I'm assuming they do. Uh, do you know? I'm assuming I this mean, is we, for work type stuff. We, yeah, we've used it for meetings in the past instead of using Skype or um, that type of stuff. But I mean, I don't use it as frequently as I use other programs like GoToMeeting or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's one of those ones that I've had, but it hasn't been until recently that we're using it really frequently. So but now everybody's so, jumping on. So what are you learning about? I mean, you already work from home as it is. So is there something new that you're learning from this whole thing about working from home? Has anything changed for you, I guess? Um, I'm <laughs> learning. I'm learning the discipline of how to not yell at my kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much um, all over. 
Yeah, no, they're, they're doing pretty good. The first week we kind of gave them almost as like a, you know, a week long snow day or vacation type of type of week. And all they did was kind of hang on their Xbox and watch YouTube and, and do whatever. Cause we knew it was just such a mix up for them. And yeah. then the second week we kind of increased it. And then the last two weeks, we've really been trying to keep them on a schedule and keep them regimented, which means that I have to stay on top of them. My wife is still going to work out of the home. So, uh, I get to be the bad cop all the time, which is great. And then, and then when, when she gets home, then we get to reverse roles and I get to be the good cop and she gets to be the bad cop, which is, which is great. Cause you know, I get told I'm uh... mean all the time. So yeah, I, I hear you. It's different for me. I'm used to being in an office all day, so it's very odd to be here all day. But I, I don't there's times I work from home, which I don't mind, but it's okay. I guess it's okay once in a while. But this experience has been a little bit opposite for me. It's just been a little too much. Like I'm not uh, it's not that I can't get the work done or anything like that. Just I miss the social interactions. And I think that a lot of times we as people we crave that. And I, I feel like it we've kind of lost a little bit with this COVID thing whereas you know you're so used to even just hanging out with the neighbors it's not like it's not like um I guess the problem is it's not really like a holiday you know what I mean you're not able to like okay so if it, if it was just like hey you can't go to work blah 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 you can still play bocce ball with your neighbors or you can still go to your lake house or if you can still travel or go out to eat that would be different I think you would then you know find yourself more enjoying it but since we really can't do any of that and we're still all trapped in our homes across the world it's kind of interesting to see that that difference, but that's, I think where the social distancing is, is a lot harder than I thought. I think people thought originally, you know, it seems like the challenge for most people mentally is the fact that we've essentially had our free will removed, you know, before, even though it's, let, let's say for me, someone who's worked from home, the lion's share of my career, uh, you know, I, I've had offices and I've worked other places and wherever else, but most of the time I spend my time, you know, in my home office because the commute's really short and whatever else. But, you know, I would take the occasional jaunt every couple of days to the post office and the bank and then go to the grocery store, you know, probably three, four, five days a week, not always during the weekdays, but at lunchtime and grab something that I needed for a recipe at dinner or, you know, a little snack or a treat that I wanted or, you know, grab something for lunch that I didn't have here on hand. And all of that's kind of been removed based upon this. And, and because of that, I, that's where I think the big challenge is you have to have this level of discipline that you've never really had before. Um, you know, in some ways it's really good, but in other ways it's really challenging because we're just, we're used to having that freedom of movement and now it's, it's completely been restricted, you know, for me. Yeah. It's like going to the gym that's off the table. Sometimes I go to the, the gym midday. I can't, I can't do that. My gym is in my office now, you know, or my, you know, my, my, again, going to the post office and just walking into the post office and seeing somebody walking out and shooting them a smile and a wave. I mean, we don't have, like you were saying that interaction and that's been an, an enormous adjustment, you know, by contrast, you have someone like yourself who's used to going into an office environment, used to those direct personal connections and interpersonal conversations one person to the other standing two feet away from each other and that's that's all been removed for the time being and a lot of people are struggling with that and I can I can understand it you know again for me I crave those little outings to the post office the bank and the 
and the grocery store, I can't imagine what it's like for folks that have gone into an office for 25 years and that's the only culture they know. It's completely different. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's seriously crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the other thing is most of the schools are done, as James is saying on the uh, Facebook is one of the comments, but uh, he said Pennsylvania schools are done for the year, but I think most of them are done. I know Michigan is, I'm assuming New York probably is, and New Jersey and the East Coast, I would assume, since it's most worse over there. But it, it is going to be a huge adjustment with that alone, right? Because you, you now that the kids will be home all the rest of this year plus the summer, it's a, <laughs> a little bit tricky. And the other thing is, like we were talking about the other day on the podcast, uh, it's the first time in my life that my schedule has been completely cleared, you know, for like family vacations and camping. Right. And we were going to go to Cedar Point this year. And so it's interesting to see that all wiped away. And then now I like miss that stuff more than ever before. It'd be like, uh, I just thought they don't want to do it. You just get that feeling like you're working all the time. And then you have to go to like Cedar point, wait in all these lines and stuff. And you're just like, I don't really want to do that. But now it's like, I kind of wish I could do that, you know, just cause it's like, you, you get sick of just doing nothing, you know? Um, but the- I don't know if you've been following the some good news segments from John Kransky, whatever his name is from the office, that guy, but he's been doing these some good news episodes. But anyway, on the some good news for this, I feel like Minnesota, I, I heard was still allowing hunting and so is Michigan. I know that. So that's definitely some good news <laughs> to get yeah, out and do some yeah. hunting in Turkey. Yeah, we, we still have hunting. We still have fishing here in New York. Um, you know, all of our trail systems are open. All of our public lands are open. And the state is really encouraging people to do that, which, frankly, I was sort of su- surprised. The public bathrooms are closed. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously encouraging people to, so you know, social distance. And then they're not allowing people to come in in large groups unless they're direct family members. So if my family of four can go to the trail and we can walk together, but if you're going to congregate with three other families of four, they're, they're not allowing that, but to be able to go and, you know, recreate and utilize public lands and take advantage of what we all have at our, our um, disposal is awesome. I feel badly for the people that don't have those opportunities. I was talking to a friend of mine in North Carolina yesterday online and she was saying that they closed down the trails by her. And for her, again, just like me, that's an enormous, you too, that's an enormous outlet for us to go and kind of blow off steam and, in her words, not lose her marbles. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of been <laughs> taken away. They don't even have that opportunity. So, um, you know, that's the one thing. I'm not necessarily always a huge proponent of our governor here in New York, but he has talked about how there are certain restrictions and certain measures that we can't put into place because it's just going to mentally disrupt our citizens more than they already are we've gone through enough of an abrupt change so you know we're uh we're just going to have to adapt and adjust and be courteous to our fellow man i mean i'm a trail runner so i've been doing my long runs and i'm seeing more people out walking with their families or walking their dogs even around our neighborhood we we go out and walk our dogs in the evenings and there are so many people up and moving about and i actually like that it kind of reminds me when i was a kid when you would go out and do something in your little neighborhood and, and see people and interact with them and you know, for the last 10 plus years, I, I just don't feel like that's existed. We've had so many methods of communication and opportunities to talk and interact digitally that we don't get up and get out. And, you know, our day-to-day lives are so busy. It's just, we want to sit on the couch and veg and 
now we're kind of looking at it through a different lens, which I'm, I'm pretty grateful for myself. And I hope culturally we see a little bit of a shift back to the way things used to be in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks. A little late. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, you sent me more than one link and I was trying to get in the wrong. Yeah. Link. I sent you the links for the week for the other guests come up later this week, but uh, real quick, uh, just some notes from the Facebook page, people commenting, uh, Sarah, says New York has shut down boat launches, state parks. I haven't heard anything about not being able to turkey hunt. Uh, Jeff Erickson says, uh, can't wait to get out to the woods for turkey in Minnesota. Um, Joe wants to go turkey. They have been uh, closed for Newton. North Carolina roads and trails and game lands are closed. I thought I saw a comment. Everybody was commenting on the schools because we were making comments. I don't know why I can't scroll back up through those comments, but uh, there was a lot of schools closed, it looked like, from what these what people were saying you know what i think i gotta click this hold on a second let me just click this maybe this will give me all the comments oh here we go all right now i got it um oh, sorry trying to scroll through these yeah new york the schools are all closed missouri uh i think nb is at nebraska i assume yeah. Georgia. NE would be Nebraska. NB yeah, New might York. Be New Brunswick. Again. Yeah, could be. Uh, it says Washington, Oregon are shut down for all hunting and fishing. Oh, God. That's definitely not some good news there. That doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you're not like you're in direct close proximity to people, right? Well, you don't have to be. I mean, that's right. the point, right? You, you, that's what I was saying. Like we were talking about, I'm going to go here and it's not that I'm going to go and, and, you know, I'm going to keep my distance from any other hunter. And to be honest, I just want to know there's another hunter in the region that I'm walking, right. In case I break my leg, I go down, something happens. I fall, I hurt myself. I just want to know that there's like Kevin or someone else's a hundred yards to my right or a thousand yards to my right, but in the area, you know, cause where we're going to go, it's all state lands and, and, you know, and unfortunately, it, if you want to go somewhere within, you know, two hours, try to get somewhere you can do a day trip. Um, that That's, only, you know, to me, that's the most important thing is just having somebody in the area to help you um, in case there's an emergency, really. It's not necessarily sitting with that person, you know. So anyway, but so, Tim, we were talking about you and I. So I, in the last couple of days, I've been doing my power walk and you and I have been chatting on the phone. And uh, one of the things we talked about was what does this do for archery as we go? And, you know, being in the industry a long time yourself, owning different, you know, media companies and consulting companies, what do you, where do you think this will go as far as, do you think this will help archery in the sense that organic comes back? People, you know, start to see they can't get some meats and maybe they should have deer hunted and maybe they should get out and shoot archery. What's your thoughts on that? Um, it's hard to say you know, right now, I mean, obviously the optimist in me wants to look at this and say, yeah, for sure. People, people are going to harken back to those empty shelves at the grocery store and go, you know, I, I have to be a little bit more responsible for procuring my own meat and, um, you know, managing that process myself. I think the frictionless path is for people that have been engaged in hunting and fishing in the past that have maybe fallen out of it recently because their, their lives are, a little bit busier, et cetera, then they might come back, um, you know, and the, or there might be some people that have younger kids that they can, they've participated in the past. They might not be interested in it and they'll, they'll maybe recruit their, your younger generations. You know, I know my kids through this process because they 
have had to go and do some more stuff with us down, you know, at our farm or whatever, they're, they're more interested than they were before. They've always had this, this segment of interest, but now it's larger. Um, so with that being said, uh, I, I, I think there it could be a positive impact where I think there's potentially a negative impact is, you know, if we do see a significant economic downturn and people have finance, significant financial hardship, that could present a negative opportunity for the industry. And that's, that's what we really need to be sensitive to. And, um, you know, one of the difficulties I think we've had as an industry overall for the last handful of years is, is the pricing game. You know, equipment on the whole has gotten relatively expensive. And there's some brands out there that have done a really good job of, you know, creating products that, you know, pretty much everybody can afford that are value oriented, but they're not the main share of the, of the business. And, in this environment, they could do a lot better. But again, it's all yet to be determined based upon how this all plays out economically. I mean, obviously, our government is taking measures to lessen the blow for, for many people and um, companies are taking measures to lessen the blow. But we just don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, if it goes more than another, let's say, couple, three weeks, I mean, that's where the long term imp implications can really sit. And I'm, I'm certainly no economist, but think just uh, a heaping dose of common says says people don't have money for a really long time or they're not employed for a really long time or they're you know hitting their savings really hard and whatever else those all have downstream effects that we need to take into consideration and will all have impact on what the future of the hunting industry looks like but again hopefully going back to the aforementioned that they look at it and go okay well there was no meat on the shelves, you know, four weeks ago. Um, that's more important. I want to be able to provide for myself and my family or both. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, interesting uh, comment from Sarah on the uh, Facebook page says, I've already talked with people here that haven't ever hunted or haven't hunted in years that are planning on doing so. Many of them, myself included, are now looking towards raising whatever livestock. Many are coming together and offering their farm to table produce and meats at a lower price as well. I think that's interesting because some of the things I've heard in an office environment are the same thing. People are actually that know that I do bow hunter plant. We're extremely interested in archery all of a sudden. And they're asking me questions like, Oh, we could just call Dave. If we need me. Cause we, you know, and another person, my neighbors actually said to me, um, I gave him some, um, some of the access meat, Tim, actually, I was going to bring that up a little bit, but our hunt we did in Texas, some of the access meat, I gave him some of that. I gave him some um, venison I had from this past season as well. And they were so blown away and excited because they, they couldn't find red meat at the stores, you know? And yeah. I was like, kind of like starting to think like, man, I'm glad I killed a couple of deer last year and had all this meat, you know, to be able to share some of that as well as eat it. Cause now we don't have red meat either. All we're using is our venison and the axis deer that we killed in Texas is what I've been eating on here uh, for tacos and chilies and hamburgers. That's all we've been using. I mean, we haven't been able to get red meat either, but again, I'm not necessarily looking for it cause I had the meat, but you know, I know, Kevin, what'd you see? Have you seen anything like that or talked to people like that? Um, not so far. I mean, I think that uh, more like, uh, I think just in talking to the guys around here, it seems like all the guys, like Tim said, are getting their kids more involved and getting out and shooting. And, you know, like your kids are talking about, man, maybe you should get into competition and stuff like that, you know? And I just think that's a great thing, you know, that, you know, instead of spending the whole day on Fortnite, they actually can get out and <laughs> do something yeah. physical, you know? 
Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's good, you know. And and I think the the thing that's really good about that is it could lead to like scholarships and 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 things like that. That there a lot of people don't even know the opportunity is out there for stuff like that. And you know, like every kid wants to be an NBA star, but let's face it, the the odds of you making it into the NBA are pretty slim. But if you are become a really good archer, you might have a shot at becoming a professional archer or an Olympic archer. So just just by the sheer numbers of people that are doing it, you know. And scholarships, there are scholarships. People don't yeah. realize shooting things like that. Yeah, shooting, you know, things like that. The next thing I was going to say is, you know, I'd really like to get the boys into. We we have all those BB guns in our safe. Yeah, I just found companies. one. I just found another one. We've got Red Rider. We should we should get the boys out shooting those BB guns and getting good at it. You know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, that's all I did when I was a kid. I shot a lot of BB guns, a lot of bow. Those are the mm-hmm. two things I did the most when I was a child. I know that that's the only things I remember the most. Um, but the, you know, the good one of the other things I was thinking about with this whole scenario and what's going on right now is there are people making comments and things I'm reading that say, "Okay, so this sucks. Obviously, it's 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 a bad scenario all the way around, right?" But what are the bright moments of that this scenario for all of us, right? So it's taking that time to actually finish something you've been wanting to do or spending the time with your kids. Like me the other day, getting the kids out, doing a fun egg hunt. We also did archery a couple days now and the kids loved it. And I've, I've been wanting to do that with them. Just haven't had the time. And so it was nice to give them a chance to do that, you know, and sit down and actually, you know, spend time tuning their bow and, and actually sighting it in perfectly and taking that time. I feel like that's been something that, you know, it's just hard to do, you know, and, and, and having this time, there's so much extra time that no one's would ever thought, you know, could happen is not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's more of a blessing than, than we all think, you know, in a weird way, slow down society just for a little bit. My spice (laughs) shelf, my spice shelf in my kitchen is cleaned and alphabetized now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's shift a little bit to, uh, so Tim, let's shift a little bit to industry. So what, uh, I guess, what have you seen this year so far in the industry, archery industry or outdoor industry in general that you like, that you don't like, are you seeing conglomerates? Are you seeing companies got a business? Like what, I guess, tell us the status from your perspective. Um, I haven't seen much in the way of companies going out of business. I mean, coming out of the ATA and I didn't attend shot show this year. Um, I didn't go last year or this year, just, I had some conflicts, but, uh, coming out of the ATA, this year, I would say there was this, this tempered optimism and which was encouraging because the last couple of years have been sort of doom and gloom. And from everybody that I kind of circled with after shot show, it sounded like it was very, a very similar vibe there as well, where people were not having this high sense of false optimism. Cause again, it's always so hard to predict what the rest of the year is going to look like in January. So with that being said, Um, We came out of ATA, things seemed pretty good. Um, You know, nobody that we worked, we work with kind of was saying that they had banner sales or anything like that, but everything, everything seems solid and and relatively stable based upon the metrics that they could use at that time. And then obviously as this COVID thing ramped up a little bit, you know, concerns grew and everything else. So um, 
I haven't heard of any companies going out of business. I may have, I may have touched on that. I mean, obviously there's definitely been significant impact on a lot of the manufacturers within the industry. There are some manufacturers that are still and groups that are still buying up other companies. Um, you know, I think like GSM is still being pretty aggressive, but they seem to be an anomaly overall by comparison to the, to the general feel within the industry. You know, maybe I'm not looking as much, but, um, that's the only one that I see out there who's still acting pretty aggressively. Everybody else seems to be kind of just sitting and in a holding pattern for the time being. So, um, you know, we'll kind of just people, have to see how this shakes out. I don't know if people realize the um, conglomerates in the industry. If you're, if you're out there and you're watching this and you don't really understand, like if you just go to the store and buy your things and don't think about like who owns what, not a big deal. I get it. You know, whatever. It's fine. But there are literally five companies who own a lot of share in this industry, more than you would think. And it, when you talk about GSM, you talk about Arcus, you talk about Faradine, you talk about Outdoor Group. Um, so there's definitely five to six of these companies who own a lot of things, um, just more than you would think. You know, a lot, when I started doing this over 10 years ago now, a, 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 a broadhead company was a broadhead company. That's it. They're on their own. Like they didn't, they weren't owned by anybody generally. And like nap was nap. There was no, you know, that was it. They had everything. Right. Rage was rage. Uh, Muzzy was Muzzy. Today, all those companies are actually owned by a bigger company. Now this isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that just as a general thought in business, these, there are groups that are linked together now and it makes some, it does some great things for people as well. So I don't want to take away from that. Like for instance, um, now you can buy carbon express arrows that come with nocturnals that come with rage or muzzy. Maybe I don't know which heads, but they're all owned by the same company. So you can get this package deal, right. And it saves you money as a consumer. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not suggesting that, but um, I'm just suggesting that a lot of things are owned by a lot of companies and you might just not think of that. Um, another good example is Botech. People don't uh, realize Botech owns uh, black old sites. They own tight spot quivers. They own Ripcord. They own, um, What's the other one? Diamond. They own striker crossbows, which is kind of gone now. They own Excalibur, Excalibur. crossbows mm -hmm. and I'm missing one and it is the octane. So all that falls under that regime, right? You just don't, but you don't think of it that way when you're a consumer, you're at the store. Um, you know, same with uh, Faradine, they own Muzzy, Rage, Carbon Express. Uh, you know, there's a ton of brands under there, a ton of them that you just, you just don't think of it, I guess. And again, not a bad thing, just making the point. You know, so Tim, when we talk about conglomerates and these bigger companies, do you see any new ones coming? Because I haven't seen any new ones. I've only seen the ones we've already seen. Uh, has there been any talk or have you heard of any other ones? I think the most recent one that popped up is, uh, I believe it's called Rock Ridge. And, you know, they're more on the general hunting side, but I, I want to say that they own or are affiliated with... Um, expedition archery grind I, I hope i have this information right um grind um calls which is turkey and waterfowl calls i believe and um i think they have an e-bike company in there they have they have a handful of other things in their in their group um that would be the one that i know of and that's the newest but outside of that i've seen that slow down a little bit it seems like over the last few years but um you know not it's not gone and it's, it's yeah. certainly something that's going to continue to happen. I mean, our industry, when that started sort of happening, I mean, it started happening, I think a lot longer uh, ago than people really recognize, but when it really started getting aggressive, 
within the last 10 years, um, you saw a lot of consolidation. You saw a lot of brands get picked up by others and, um, you know, big companies getting merged together under another umbrella. You know, you touched on, on Faradine and, you know, kind of Rage and Muzzy. I mean, that was when, when I remember there was a lot of scuttlebutt when that particular acquisition happened when basically the company that owned Rage then bought Muzzy as well. And if people are like, oh my gosh, you know, Rage bought Muzzy and that's not, that's not what happened. It, you know, it was a larger company that was above that, but you know, it was, it was, it was a major disruption amongst the consumer for sure. Yeah. I, want, I um, wonder how much this COVID thing is going to put some of the smaller companies on the edge of where they will be like at risk of companies coming in and taking them over because financially they're going to need cash. Uh, well, the one thing I would say, Kevin, about that is, you know, we have a, there's, there's not been much of a barrier to entry in the outdoor industry for the longest time, you know, and so we have a glut of, of manufacturers in general of all sizes. So with that being said, I mean, I, I've been frankly of the mind that we've needed some bloodletting for a long time for the overall health of the industry to be that much better. And, and I'm not the first person to ever say that. One of my mentors who was in the industry for you know nearly 40 years has been saying that since the late 80s. And so, um, you know, the, meanwhile, the industry has shrunk. And so it's more difficult both to get a piece of market share and or a share of voice within the marketplace, within the marketing sphere. So it's been a challenge overall. And if we had, you know, I'm not wishing doom and gloom on anyone, you know, I want to see everybody do better, but the only alternative to that is we have to recruit more people. So if we come full circle in the conversation, that's really what we need to do to have greater health on the whole is, get more people involved in hunting, fishing, archery, and everything else. And the, and the more that we do that, the more that we can support as a, as an industry. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get people buying stuff. I mean, that's always the, yeah. the number one right. thing. And uh, hopefully, you know, I, I, the, the issue we're going to have right now is for turkey hunting, people aren't going to be able to go to the store to buy anything. So they're not going to be allowed to go, but hopefully um, they have the ability to at least get out and see the need, the things they need for, even when we can allow, be allowed to buy things again, whether that's the calls, that's the the blinds, the decoys, the bows, the, you know, all that stuff. But another quick point I was going to say that about this conversation is that a lot of the archery companies are not in these conglomerates. There's only a couple that are actually a part of something bigger uh, Matthew stands alone, uh, just yep. with their archery stuff. Uh, Bowtech technically stands alone because they, it's all archery specific related, but maybe we can call that a conglomerate. Um, PSC stands alone. Uh, Hoyt stands uh, kind of alone. They do have a couple things under their umbrella though. Um, but again, um, they're not part of the general stuff. I think that most people are thinking of these, but again, the other thing is, this actually paves the way for the companies to be more protected. Those companies, at least as this goes on, because what you're going to see now is these companies will decide on which companies can afford, which, what they can do. They can just move their money around is my point. So if you have five or six different brands and you're making more money on rage and you are muzzy and muzzy's losing money. Now they can just spread it out based on this issue and uh, protect all the brands instead of the other way around, you know? So I think that's necessarily not a bad thing in this scenario, but the little ones, who knows, right? It's going to be hit or miss. 
Yeah, I mean, they also don't have the same level of expenses. You know, they're probably a lot more nimble, a lot more scalable as far as how they can act and react. You know, supply chain is probably a little bit closer. They probably have a little bit more um, control over their supply chain. So there are certainly some advantages to being a smaller manufacturer. I don't, of course, everyone is susceptible to risk. They're not risk adverse at all, but they do have the opportunity to have a lot more control and, and again, be a lot more nimble by comparison to these larger consolidated groups. I mean, in the consolidated groups, there's advantages too, again, because of how their supply chain is built out. Um, they are more of a, a, a movable force and they can have control over their supply chain in a different way. Um, obviously the economies of scale that come with production of more goods and whatever else and, and how that impacts supply chain. But you know, nobody's immune to what's happening right now. And it doesn't matter whether you're a manufacturer or an individual, we're all being impacted one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Tim, what's going on, man? Uh, So did you have to cancel all your hunts you had this year planned? No, nothing's canceled yet. I'm still waiting on sort of what tags I'll draw out West. Um, You know, I'm, we can, we can still hunt here at home. Our turkey season opens May 1st. I'm not a huge turkey hunter, but right now I just got to get outside. So <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, you so, and the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll be in the turkey woods, I guess, if they, if they let us. But, uh, you know, no big changes um, just yet. But again, it's a lot of it's just going to depend upon how long this goes. I mean, if there's a massive financial impact for me, then yeah, I'm going to have to make some hard decisions and not apply for Iowa like I want to this year because I have plenty of points to draw but it's just we'll see you know the, you know yeah, uh, guys what harsh, i think go ahead dave i'll say the hardest part about the iowa thing is the travel it's not necessarily being in the hunting situation it's the travel getting yeah. there and is that going to be feasible for what the new outcome of our new normal looks like right that's the well, problem I mean, for this year gosh guys if we're if, if this if, number one if this goes on till october then we really did something wrong as a society because, you know, you look at every other country where they've kind of gone through this whole process, it, they're, they're, they're working their way through it. So if it goes on that October, November, we, we really messed up. Um, so yeah. hopefully we're not in that point, but with that being said, um, you know, there could be a flare up when we get into the fall and then what kind of restraint does that cause? And what kind of restriction does that cause? That's all to be determined as well, but hopefully we're, we're past it you know, sooner rather than later. And we can all kind of get on with our lives and, uh, you know, hopefully reprioritize to what, what are more important things. I think, well, I think what I think we're going to see the moving on, but I think what you're going to find is until they can, uh, positively uh, create enough masks and ventilators and all that, that's the issue right now. I think once you have all that, the gloves and the mask and, uh, toilet paper, whatever. But once you have the, <laughs> once you have the gloves and the mask, you'll be able to do a lot more stuff. And I think they'll open up things a lot faster once everybody's able to get their hands on these things, because that's the, been the biggest issue is not being able to protect yourself. Um, you know, when you're out and about and especially for travel, you know, I mean, that's going to be the big thing. I think once people get used to the life with a mask and life with gloves, it, it'll start to slowly open back up to where then those will be removed as time goes on. But I think what you're going to see first is companies going back to work, line workers going back to work with mask and gloves first, because they're the ones that have to be there to get production moving, whether it's food, vehicles, uh, making broadheads, whatever. It's got to, you know, those are the people on the line that have to make the product. 
Um, I was just reading something. They said they're going to have a ham production uh, slow coming up just because of what's going on. And uh, because they have to shut down some of these facilities making uh, pork uh, because people are getting it there. So again, until uh, people have proper gear, it's going to be pretty much impossible to continue. Yeah. So anybody got any questions on the live feeds, go ahead and post them now for Tim. We're going to go a couple more minutes and. Uh, you know, Dave, we'll one of the things I was thinking about with the, you know, talking about the marketing and getting people back into it, you know, a big emphasis is on, bringing, you know, kids into it and stuff like that. But I think one of the big things that's missing is people like me who hunted for a long time, or even just a little while, I know a lot of guys who are my age that hunted with archery when they were younger, switched over to crossbow or went just to strictly rifle because they said, oh, the bows, you know, it's too hard for me to pull with my shoulder or this and that. I think the the increase in how effective these new bows are with the let off and you know let's face it a 40 pound pull now is probably as good as a 60 pound pull back in my day and I found you know I mean you got me back into shooting archery again I found it well it's a lot easier than it used to be physically so I think I think that's one of the audiences that they need to target is say hey guys you know it's not as hard as you think to get out there you think your shoulder's hurting or something like that you know you can you don't have to shoot 80 pounds. You could shoot 50, 45, 50 pounds and still get enough speed on an arrow to kill a, a, a deer or uh, anything else for that matter. I think the, I think the bow companies, uh, not all of them, but I think uh, the couple I'm thinking of are off the top of my head. Um, I guess the diamond lines, the bear archery lines. Uh, I think PSC has a decent amount of line for, for low cost options and solutions. I know bear archery has a huge amount of bows that range from literally $300 to, you know, a thousand, but in that range, they have bows that are, in my opinion, package deals that are perfect for people who don't want to spend a ton of money, but those bows are so flexible on, you know, the way the mods work where you can shift it to fit anybody. You can also, the weights can be lowered dramatically. Um, It's just the perfect time to buy a bow right now, honestly, because the prices are so good. I mean, that range that you can find anything that fits anybody. So it's pretty incredible. All right, let's take a question. Uh, so Tim, this question is from Jason online. It says, what are your thoughts on small business archery shops and the hit they're taking right now? I mean, you know, from what I understand, a lot of them are not open for business. So it's going to be a hardship for them. You just got to hope that it's kind of like a a pent up thing. And that once people are able to get out and move around, that they'll be jumping into those shops. And again, you know, hope that there are opportunities for people to, you know, kind of uh, R3 and get involved and because of that end up in those shops. I mean, it's, it's obviously not ideal for them right now whatsoever, but the sooner that this whole thing passes and how, you know, if we're more disciplined about our social distancing, the better off that those shops are going to be in the short term, long term, you know, it's, it's all going to be to be determined. A lot of it will depend upon what their product mix is like, you know, and, and how they're serving their, their customers and what their customers are like. Um, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, there's, there's like two segments. It seems like when it comes to archery shop owners, you have guys that are straight businessmen and you have guys that, and they do well at it. They're also enthusiastic about archery and bow hunting, et cetera. 
But then you have the guy that's also, or gal, that's also just a, a crazy enthusiast that isn't the best business person. And those are the ones that might, you know, kind of end up on their heels with all this. And, and, and those are the ones that are definitely a, in potential jeopardy. So, um, you know, and then we obviously have the big box stores and they're just as impacted as everybody else right now. And they sell equipment, whether it's accessories and whatever else, but they sell a lot of bows and, and that type of stuff too. And they're not immune to it right now either. So we just got to get past this situation. And again, I hope it only lasts another couple of three weeks. If that long, it'd be better if it let up sooner than that. Yeah. Yeah. Jason thinks the question. And he also had another comment said one local shop here is taking online orders and, and shipping still, but no in-store business or shooting at all. So, and I understand how the shooting part hurts those companies a lot because that's where they make a lot of their money in the open shoot segments and, um, you know, getting archery leagues, which again is definitely not social distancing, but unfortunately that's like a great time for a lot of people to shoot archery league. And I'm really disappointed because I was planning on doing one this year with the guys, uh, try to start a league out of our own just for fun and, and go to a shop and shoot and just get more into it. Um, try to become a better archer, to be honest, in general. It's fun to shoot all these different bows, but I still want to be a great archer at some point <laughs> as I just keep getting older. I definitely want to be able to get it done. Um, yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I, th- I think I think the art shops will have a hard time. I'm not going to lie. But I do think that hopefully they're allowed to take some of the stimulus package stuff, that, that the options that came out. Hopefully they, they can qualify for that kind of thing. And it, I think that would help them if that's possible. So, Well, and there's um, a lot definitely- of... There's, there's a lot of information out there to help them. The ATA is presenting information. I know there's a couple of legal firms that are involved in the outdoor industry that are helping them wade through all that. So, you know, if people haven't sort of looked into those opportunities to see how they can take advantage of the stimulus money and some of the SBA grants and SBA loans and everything else, I mean, those are all things that they should be looking at right now because again, that, that $2.2 trillion stimulus package, they are entitled if you will to their part of that to help them get through whatever hardship they've experienced and will experience through whatever that timeline looks like yeah you know, that's a larger sure. scale business conversation you know so they, they should be looking into that uh steve chapman asked the question what is the best arrow rest in the market now for a low price so i guess i would spin this question tim to you and just say what's your thoughts on a, lo- a good low low cost rest in your mind Oh, gosh. I got my opinions. I'll give mine in a second. <laughs> Unless you need time to yeah. think, because I give mine. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on that. I mean, it's just there's so many good options out there, and it's just uh, it's hard to say. I mean, there's still people that love to use a whisker biscuit, right? And it works and it functions great. And you know, and then there's people that you know you can go into a you know a, a lesser expensive QAD rest, and you still have a lot of the great features, but without the the top end stuff that kind of starts building that price point on a QAD. Um, you know, there's there's lots of really good options there. Yeah, I agree. I was gonna say Whisker Biscuit as well. It's one of my favorite rests. In fact, it's actually on my hunting bow right now. It's one of my favorite rests, and mainly because. It, I can do it myself. I put it on, I get the both sight in it. It works great. And depends. I mean, I feel like it depends how many shots you're going to put through the bow in a lifetime of that rest. So like for me, I'm going to shoot that bow maybe a hundred times total with hunting in it in my mind, probably not even a hundred to be honest. So for me, that rest is perfect. You can wear that rest down, but you'd have to shoot a lot to do it. Um, so, but you know, if I was picking a high end one, I would absolutely pick a ripcord or a QAD drop away. 
Um, generally that's what I'll put on my hunting rig. Uh, just depends. But for right now I got a whisker on there and I'm happy. I'm dead on and I'm going turkey hunt with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming yeah. on the show. Uh, anything else you want to share? No, just kind of keep social distancing and find some time to, you know, get some fresh air. I think that's important. It's what we all need to be doing right now. Use the time wisely. You know, if you ever thought you wanted to do something with yourself or your life, or you ever wanted to read a book or start a business, or you had a cool idea, now's the great time to think about it and actually take action on it. I mean, you're, you're never going to, hopefully we never see something like this again in our lives, but I, I feel like you gotta, you gotta be proactive in every way possible right now. So, and that's, just me from a greater perspective outside of hunting and archery and whatever else we we're, we're in a strange way. This is a little bit of a blessing and we should be maximizing it. Absolutely. Tim Kent, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Tim. Um, so Kevin, uh, you know, finishing up real quick. Uh, I just want to, uh, there's some good stuff, man. Talking to Tim is great. Always is. And uh, having Tim on to chat about business is one of my favorite things. I talk to him all the time about these things. So for mm-hmm. me, it's just a, a win to talk to him with having live people be able to ask questions is amazing, amazing thing. That's it. All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Stay safe. All right. We'll see everybody out there uh, soon. And uh, thanks for watching the BHP podcast. We'll see you later.